well, well. What do we have here? It's me, Sean Bischoff. The general manager for Triumph, and this is the long-awaited episode number 13 of our podcast titled Together. I'm not going to bore you today because I have a guest. I know that's going to be a surprise to you guys as viewers that we have a guest on the show. Uh, but it's a guest that I'm very excited to talk to, so I would like to just uh, hop into this episode and get a chance to talk to him. I want to apologize for the wait. Um, you know, we've been trying to put together this episode for a couple of weeks, but there were some technical difficulties. I had to take a week off, blah, blah, blah. You guys don't care. Uh, we're here now. So uh, without further ado, let's just get into the show. My guest today, his name is Andre Katz. Uh, I probably pronounced it wrong because I'm American and that's No, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, he is the head coach for Team Vitality's Valorant team. Um, he's an old friend of mine. He's a great leader uh, in the esports industry, and I'm really excited to catch up with him. It's been a long time since we talked. So, uh, Fragon, how are you, man? I'm good. Uh, since a long time since we, we met. Uh, and you somehow you follow me for my career as a coach. Uh, oh, met, dude, uh, of course. Uh, we met at 2018, first time, almost three years ago. And you saw me, you're the one, the first one that saw me like at, at my start uh, of my career, which, uh, and you all followed me the, uh, later to, with Triumph and you saw my growth as well. So it's uh, also a very important point in my career as well. So you, it's, it's worth you be there as well. So and nice to be here and coming back and coming home, you know, the place that uh, helped me a lot in the past. So. I'm here to share some of my knowledge and uh, have fun. Yeah, man, it's been it's been so much fun, like following your career the last few years, man. Like from day one meeting you, I knew that you were going to be a top tier coach. Um, and it was just all about like finding the right lane, you know, and it was only a matter of time. And I knew that. And so that's why, like, <laughs> the purpose of this podcast really was number one was just to catch up, man, because you and I haven't had really a long form discussion in quite a while. I mean, we've exchanged messages through, you know, the past year, but we haven't really talked very much. And um, I just want to hear, you know, what you've been up to. And I also want to give an opportunity because you're a bit of a quiet guy. You know, you, you like to stay in your own lane and focus on your teams. And so um, I think a lot of fans of Vitality maybe would like to hear some of your insights and, and learn a little bit more about you. I think you have a really cool story. So. I just figured this would be a great opportunity for us to accomplish both of those things, um, to be honest. So I suppose where we'll start this episode, if you don't mind, is um, why don't you just, you know, introduce yourself, give me a little backstory on where, you know, where you come from and, and how you got to where you are now. Um, so very general, like I'm, I'm 32 from Israel and uh, I've started competing when I was at high school. I was playing the some boomer games called the uh, Wolfenstein uh, anime territory and then played it uh, almost for four or five years something like that and after that I joined to army like everyone in Israel and was uh, an officer and finished my army like after five years or something like that and after that in 2012 I, I just uh, wanted to compete again after the army and was looking and then esports was started growing back then so i was like looking how can i back to what i was uh, like to do before that so it was kind of natural for me i was looking for games that i can um, you know uh, grab on and just stay uh, grinding and then um, climbing up and it didn't happen until overwatch when uh, 2016 where i uh, started as a pro player as on the first year and this is the first game that I felt like I can put my soul into and to, to grow and become a professional. And later I become a coach in uh, 2018. It's like basically three years since I became a coach. And I started in the EU and then I moved to NA and, and coached NA for almost two and a half years, something like that. And the last team I coached in Overwatch was Triumph, uh, which I was also one of the uh, persons that, that was building it from from the ground with the with the founding fathers and setting up the the philosophy and uh, what uh, what is triumph basically and setting up the goals for the for this uh, organization that uh, was small back then and keep growing which is also nice to see and um, yeah, we had the two main Overwatch rosters and. We finished twice top four in contenders, um, which uh, was really big success, especially the, the first roster, 
we start from open division. This is also was kind of before you joined. Um, we had the, the longest win streak in uh, from going from open division to top four in contenders. Um, the experience was amazing, but besides the experience of like and giving uh, getting achievements, like for me like triumph was also was the growth. You know, f um, for coaches it's hard to find a place where you can actually grow and try stuff and um, try methods and see what is working uh, to actually improve. And something is lacking in, in the industry right now because it's like basically for the coaches, it's like it's uh, you're good, get in. You're bad, go away. Like no one gives, no one tells you why or gives you opportunity to improve. So trying for me was a place that I built basically for myself that I can also use to to grow. And I basically use this all this knowledge uh, in the past years uh, for uh, for Triumph and moved to Valorant in. Um, late June, and then I was uh, looking for the team uh, uh, for a couple of months. It's also like was the start of all the orgs start uh, doing moves in the EU. So I was trying to find a team. And uh, long story short, it was it's a very long story. And uh, I uh, was in contact with Vitality, I think at the start of October, or end of September, something like that. And it was a very long process uh, of interviews and um, Many people interviewed me, and like um, their travels was actually um, very professional compared to like, everything I did uh, so far in the in my career. Uh, they asked me any any small detail you would expect uh, from top team to to deal with, uh, from scenarios, from philosophy to how I like what is my plan basically. And I really liked Vitality's uh, uh, philosophy and their vision. Which is uh, was very similar to way, the way I see things, and it was very easy for me to to like to like their their way and, and start working with them. Uh, to be honest, I didn't know much about Vitality. You know, like being in, stuck in an A, Vitality is not uh, something you hear about much. Uh, I just only saw like some of the Counter Strike, you know, so um, but not any like not too much details. And then when I start digging and uh, start talking with the people within the the org. I really like the people um, the environment is super professional and, and people are really nice to work with. So like, I immediately hooked up and I, I wanted to work with these guys. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good to hear, man. I think uh, it seems like you found a good home finally, you know, I apologize for not including you in, in your resume as a founding father of Triumph. <laughs> should have, I should have included that. Um, I'm the behind the I'm the uh, founding father behind the scenes. So of course, uh, well, you know, uh, you you might not know this, man, but you're one of the primary reasons I came to Triumph myself. Like, we, it, which yeah. is it's so interesting that we've gone our separate ways since. But it's like at the time when uh, when I was looking at what team I wanted to join last year, um, just as a manager, I was like, you know what, I I'm going to join Triumph because they have Frag on, and I want to work with you. And uh, so it's interesting how life works because it's just this back and forth for many years. And um, it seems like you found a good home now with, with Vitality. And like um, I know for a lot of our North American fans, uh, Vitality is not a household name, like you're saying, um, a French organization. So um, I know I've kind of joked with you about like brushing up on your French, but they are, they are like probably the biggest French organization, I'd say. Definitely the most, uh, um, you know, known about today, uh, particularly because they have a really successful CS team. So for them, entering Valorant is probably a really big deal because they want to be able to maintain their philosophy uh, and their momentum from CSGO into Valorant, which is a pretty similar game, right? It's, you know, similar kind of game. Um, so uh, when you messaged me, man, that you were going to join Vitality, uh, and I don't want to get you in trouble, but, you know, when you messaged me, it was a long time ago. And uh, I was very happy for you immediately. And um, it was interesting because then it, it took like a, a quite a while for you guys to put the team together until it was finally announced. So I'm just curious, like, what was the process like building this team for Vitality? I know you, I know you like to take your time and follow the process. So um, can you kind of enlighten me? Like, was there a core that you knew you wanted to start with? Or what was the process like? Uh, first of all, um, I think it took one month before we start like doing any any moves. Uh, like 
since I've joined, it's uh, no dates, so we won't leak anything. But of the, course. <laughs> the, the most of the work was just basically scouting uh, over, uh, for players. Uh, I was watching a lot of uh, awards and, and, and tournaments. Obviously, I already had uh, some, like I had quite extensive knowledge when I started scouting because I was with FPX like uh, for a couple of weeks before that. So uh, from, from screams and for tournaments, so I had a good idea what's happening in the scene. So it wasn't uh, that I came from Overwatch straight forward to Valorant. So I had kind of, uh, I had a process there and uh, like I start following players slowly, uh, I mean, which is also, it's uh, my hobby, following players. So I kind of did it uh, naturally. Like I always have this, my uh, death chart uh, list uh, that uh, me and Brad were starting doing when with our first roster in, in Valorant, uh, sorry, in, in uh, Overwatch and still keeping the same format, you know, from back then it's helping me and it's just a list of players that I like just uh, watch a tournament. I see someone with a good potential, just like write his name down. And I don't know, maybe somehow level later, I will come back to him somehow. So you never know. And so I have this list. It's uh, um, I'm doing it for fun, but uh, it's also like um, I like to scout for players. I like to scout for new talent, which is also Vitality's uh, philosophy, finding uh, the next talent and help them to grow and become um, like the best version, the best professional version of them they can be, you know. So um, then during the first strike, we kind of, um, we had the people that we want to follow and then uh, we wanted to see how people perform in the first strike. Um, especially after you're telling them that you're uh, following them, like you see their reaction. Uh, if they're like, um, keep the pressure or it's like uh, getting their head, that's, um, that's uh, there's an org on the line. So, and also we didn't want to interrupt to any team during the time and let get them and sign them before the, before the tournament. And because um, at that time we didn't know like, if we want a full team and if we want the um, mixed rosters, but uh, this first strike was um, big, a golden ticket for every team in EU because there was a lot of rumors about, I don't know, like six, seven orgs, even eight orgs that making moves. So you can force a team to disband just just in your favor, and then telling them, "No, we're not picking you up," and then fucking their opportunities for the, with other work. So we wanted to be fair with them. So we started the process of tryouts at start of the December, and day after the first strike. Uh, yeah. So I um, I also visited some of the screams, some of the of some of these teams. So like I knew the idea, like I knew the what I'm looking for with this player. So. Those who are scouted, uh, visit their screams and see how they play, how they communicate, how they behave with their teammates. So I had good idea of what to expect from the players. So when I started building the core and the first core, I already had a good understanding how it uh, will look like. Obviously, it will never going to be the same as you think, but it was like 80%, 70% of my expectations, So, which is high when you're scouting. Usually it's lower. Uh, but because I, I took a lot of time to scout and also and the process was slow, talking to players and also watching them during screams. I also joined, I was one day, like it was like six hours of screams. I joined the French team that uh, Brahms played and I heard this, their communication in French for six hours. It was uh, quite experienced. <laughs> uh, yeah, but even if someone is like talking, he's like a um, native language, you learn a lot about their personalities and how they behave, uh, behave, and especially when someone is uh, looking at them. So um, I don't mind. Like I like this. I like this kind of scouting and this um, like dirty job, you know. Because um, I don't know. It's there is nothing more satisfying to see someone that you help him to to grow up, and then when he succeeds, like it's you feel like um, you know proud father. Like you see your son there succeeding. And moving to big org or or lifting the trophy, it's uh, amazing feeling. Yeah, yeah, I know where you're coming from, man. I'm curious. You know, I know you're a huge fan of uh, anime, so I'm curious if if anime consideration was part of your scouting process. Like, did you ask every player what their favorite anime was or anything like that? Uh, actually, like I've, I was very disappointed. There's only one weeb in our team, so it's only, <laughs> only Sander. He's the he likes uh, anime and the others guys there um some they're not, not never watched it they don't even know what it is 
and some of them like maybe so a couple but uh we'll get to it so we'll do some catch-ups you know <laughs> i know like working working in north america uh you probably well i know firsthand that you dealt with a lot of uh anime fans um Weaves, as you call them, I think that's a derogatory term, so I'm going to try to avoid using it. But I'm not sure. So, and I mean, I'm proud weeb. I don't care. <laughs> um, I'm. I, it's interesting. Like, I don't know how big anime even is in Europe. Like, um, I mean, it's got to be getting bigger anyway. But uh, it's it's the same. You know, like I think it's uh, the same percentage of people that they're watching. Uh, I think in in my team right now, there's more people that watching anime than uh, our last uh, Rust, Rust uh, Triumph roster. Uh, really? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, but uh, like, it's just it's worldwide now. It's like nothing to to NA or to EU. Like, uh, everyone watching it. So, and it's especially like the the, more, the mainstream ones. Like almost everyone watching. So, it's it's quite popular. Yeah, I just wanted to ask the hard hitting questions up front. You know, um, <laughs> so obviously, you know, you've. I mean, I know your history, but you shared your experience of like transitioning from Overwatch to Valorant. Um, you know, you and I both know it's no secret that when Valorant came out, there were a lot of people, both players and coaches um, and some organizations that transitioned from uh, away from Overwatch to Valorant. And I know a lot of people who sought it to be sort of a new opportunity. You know, people, a lot of people that were struggling to um, to find opportunities in the Overwatch community or the Overwatch pro scene. Um, took the Valorant as a clean slate. And so I'm curious for you, like what was your transition like? Um, you know, and, and maybe even elaborate a little bit on the decision being made as somebody who, in my opinion, was obviously like a top contenders coach in Overwatch and um, might have had a, a major tier one opportunity around the corner. You know, what kind of thought process goes into the transition and the decision to actually just go full-time Valorant and to leave Overwatch? Yeah, the decision was quite uh, hard because it's a game you, you don't know anything about. And also you have a lot of talent comes from a CS. So your knowledge will be tested from the first second. You don't have enough time to build up uh, yourself, you know, and uh, try to prove yourself in six months. Um, so first of all, I didn't join Valorant right away because I had the responsibility with the Overwatch team in right. Contender season. So as soon as we finished, and when the guys went to their uh, week off, I days like day after, I already had a tryout in Valorant, um, and I started like to catching uh, to catching up with everyone and learning the game. Obviously, I played a lot in, in beta, played uh, grinded the game a lot until the last dates was uh, closed. So I had the idea about the game. And I really liked it, by the way. Uh, surprisingly, I didn't expect it to like. But uh, same as Overwatch, by the way, I didn't expect it to like Overwatch at all. And I know I like Valorant a lot. Um, uh, obviously, it's not perfect yet, and there's a lot of things to 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 do to make it uh, work and make it a perfect game. But devs are doing an amazing job with that. We'll give them time. So the transition was uh, a lot of questions. Uh, can I transition? Uh, my knowledge is enough or not? You know, like you, uh, you have like this a lot of people coming from multiplayer games, from Fortnite and PUBG and Overwatch and uh, R6 and Counter Strike, and it's a mix of like a lot of competition, a lot of people trying, a lot of uh, people see this as an opportunity. There's a huge competition. Uh, a lot of people don't even know. You don't. You can't assess where you're standing. Am I tier one? Am I tier two? Like, where should I go? Like, where should I start? Uh, it was very confusing at start. Uh, but one, I told myself that it doesn't matter where I go, where I start, tier two or tier one. Uh, obviously, I, will, I want to try go as high as I can. But uh, I wanted to avoid the mistakes I did in Overwatch uh, because. Um, in Overwatch, I had the ability to coach any team in Overwatch League, and and I'm not saying it because I'm arrogant. I'm saying it because I know the coach coaching situation in Overwatch League. So I know the people that are coaching there. I know the story. So it's not like we are one year in Overwatch League and you don't know what is going on there. So I know I can coach any team in in, in Overwatch League. But I had these other problems because I was unknown. You know, I was stayed too much behind the scene, and I was like in my ecosystem. And I wasn't known. It's like on this is my fault. Uh, it's not no one else's fault. So it's just like the way I work, and it's like 
of the social media, it's not natural for me at all. Um, so I said to myself, like, I'm not going to do my mistakes from, from Overwatch. This is doesn't matter where I start. I'm going to do everything the opposite I did from Overwatch. And I just uh, started messaging everyone. I, I didn't care. I started messaging any every org. Uh, you know, uh, I knocked a lot of doors until some of them uh, offered me to try out. Um, I mean, obviously, the one with the FPX uh, was the most impactful for me for my, my transition, as because until that point, I was a lot of uh, I was doing like uh, some videos for some orgs um, um, without leaking sorry. So, like to and then I started giving like improvement um, uh, for my knowledge in Valorant. So not not wasn't that in my head. So I wanted to transition my knowledge to other teams and see how it, what they think. And the feedback was amazing from the start. And then FPX offered me um, offered me a tryout. I was talking with Angel a lot. Uh, this guy is like I don't know how to explain it. Is like his impact on my transition was huge because we talked about uh, during the tryout. Obviously, he didn't ask me about the game at all. Which is uh, for me, it was like the biggest sign that this guy understands what he's uh, what he's doing. Because like in Overwatch, uh, the coaches, is, I don't know if it's still it's the same in the last year, or but what they didn't, didn't like in in Overwatch, people were still, especially in Overwatch, like still stuck in this conversation. Do you understand the game or not? Like all your questions is like make a VOD review. Like you're being tested if you're going making good VOD review. Like coaching is not like a VOD review. Like it's so beyond that. Like VOD review is like one percent of your work, and sometimes you don't, you are not the one even doing it. So I not even was asked about the game. It's more the approach for the staff, like how I prepare my, my team, like about performance, uh, how how the schedule looks like, you know, how you manage the team, how you, what is your ability to manage people, you know, uh, the real questions, not. Uh, Asking you, oh, can goat speed say a dive? Uh, you know, questions, and then based of that, yeah, oh, this guy is good in Overwatch, and and good in uh, coaching, which is kind of absurd, you know, like uh, to uh, to test someone's skills as coach on this kind of basic question. So for me, it was immediate um, sign that like I'm doing something right because this guy is uh, talking my language, like performance and how to prepare people for the um, for tournaments and. Um there's like small things like how you manage your team, like what you do in the day of a tournament, how you do daily schedule, how you make your schedule as efficient as possible, you know, all these things that they're like uh, it's a daily thing as a coach. And and no one asked me in Overwatch about these things, like ever. Like and I trial for some Overwatch League teams, these questions never came up, which is I think a problem for itself. And I mean, you can't expect someone that doesn't understand these uh, these uh, subjects and ask you these questions, you know. Yeah. So for uh, Angel was like improvement of my knowledge, uh, also in game and about and in performance and other stuff uh, and managing team. Uh, we talked because I came with some ideas about Counter Strike, and then he kind of um, <laughs> blew this away with all what I think I was taught like Counter Strike is, and then. Uh, I understood how everything is the same. Like all my theory from Overwatch uh, transitioned perfectly to to Valorant. Like almost like ninety eight percent of stuff. Right. Um, so I was so surprised, and he like kind of gave me improvement to my knowledge that I, that everything that is in my mind is actually as it is. You know. So that from there I got like a confidence, and I understood like I can be the one of the best coaches in this game. Uh, and then again, Vitality, they were also uh, later asking me these questions as well. You know, they were ask, talking about me, but about performance, how I manage the team. And they were even asking me like, some scenarios like this player doing this, how you deal with that, you know, like, and how you, um, how you scout, like, what you're looking at when you're scouting, you know, like, like give them like the details about scouting and sh like show you like, your approach. Like, there's no right answers for this. It's just like this, they want to see how you approach stuff and how you deal with the problems, uh, which is for me showed like, uh, yeah, this is the direction I want to work with. Uh, so once I start 
like moving to this direction and uh, I, I didn't even think about Overwatch League at that, at that moment. I didn't even think go back and say, oh, I went to Overwatch League or feel bad that I, I don't didn't join an Overwatch League team because I felt like uh, I have a lot of potential in this game and I want to fulfill it. Yeah, no, it's beautiful, man. It's actually really refreshing to hear that that's their approach uh, as an organization, Vitality. And um, I know what you mean, like a lot of the actual skills uh, to be a, a good coach or to be a good leader, um, you know, these things are almost not quantifiable, right? So it's, it's just stuff that it's more about like your approach um, and your understanding of team environments that's most important. And I agree that in Overwatch, that was a big thing, holding a lot of good coaches back. Is that like people want to see, do you understand the strategy to play on this map? It's like, yeah, that stuff's really simple to understand. Like, uh, and I'm curious, you know, one of the reasons I asked this question is I was curious from transitioning from one game to another, whether Overwatch or anything, but just in your experience, I just wonder like, um, you know, what things did you have to pick up? Because you, you bring up a good point too, that from day one in Valorant, you have professional players coming from all walks of life, every different game, um, every different scene, and everybody has a different understanding of how to play as a team or like what's important in a game. And so I'm curious, like, coming from Overwatch, meeting players from CS, meeting players from Siege, et cetera, you know, what type of things did you learn quickly that you're able to, um, you know, add to your own coaching game that you hadn't really thought about or that you were seeing differently once you joined Valorant? Uh, first of all, I'm still doing it because every once in a while you meet new people in, in the game. And so you learn from their experience from Counter-Strike. And uh, one of the biggest uh, changes, uh, it's, it's the culture, because like we in Overwatch, we have this uh, Korean culture that uh, we don't we don't even uh, notice this. But I think it's because the game is uh, like, we, like the Korean and uh, Korean uh, culture has big impact on on entire scene, not only in Korea or NA or Overwatch, like it's also in EU. It's basically if you don't grind, you don't you never succeed, like you have no chance. There is always someone in and they will outgrind you and you have to grind huge amount of hours. So like uh, this grind mentality is like uh, super um, basic in, in Overwatch. You don't even think about it. Like it's, uh, and in, in Counter-Strike, it's, it's not like that. Um, people not grinding this amount of hours, uh, not all of them. And for many, it's, it's sometimes it seems like super weird that you need to, to grind so many hours and they feel like playing ranked, uh, it's just gonna hurt their skill. Um, which is, I mean, there's some some truth to that, but I mean, uh, but this is like a big um, culture problem. And it's not, I mean, it's just difference. It's something you have to right. learn and to adapt and see and see and find your way and see where where Valorant is. You know, like we don't know where like if Valorant is like something like Overwatch or like Counter Strike or like completely something new. Uh, but I just players have to be aware of that. You know. Um, so this uh, it can happen to, in any game that you will be out grinded, especially at the start of the game. So it doesn't matter if you are grinding now or not, but you need to know that there is like the next top Valorant player is not CS player. It's not something someone that transitioned from CS. It's someone that is like ten years old, twelve years old, grinding, ranked all day long now, and he will be next star. So you are racing against them, not not against. Uh, Scream and the mix will. So it's up to you if you want to grind. I mean, I give them the option, you know, but uh, trust me, they grind. They they understand that they are in the race. And when you get into big org, uh, it's not the cue to 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 rest. It's basically you need to kick up. You know, now you have the opportunity to um, have this time only to to work and grind, and you don't have the distractions around you, and you just can use this time to, to grind even more than you could before. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it makes sense. Definitely cultural differences coming from different games, kind of informing your opinion as a coach. It's, it's like, it's like, it's sort of like as a player, you know, you have to see a million different, um, a million different scenarios to be able to make good decisions in every scenario. It's kind of like the same with the coach. It's like you have to see how different people see teamwork and how different people see team environments and work ethic to understand what works for different people. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it's great, man. And, and I'm glad you're doing well. And I'm curious, you know, one thing that you and I talked about, and we can go on a bit of a lighter note, but kind of touch on like this Korean work ethic that you had to deal with um, in Overwatch. 
you know, I wanted to ask you what it's like in the last couple of months, uh, last few months, I guess. Well, it's been quite a while, maybe last six months. Transitioning from a North American schedule to a European schedule, because I know for a long time, you know, you obviously live in Israel. Uh, I don't mean to dox you or anything like that, you know, but you're very far away from from North America. And um, for a long time, you're working midnights online with NA team. So what's it been like now uh, actually getting to work in EU at normal times of day? <laughs> Has it been good for you? It's actually amazing. Uh, like I had a couple opportunities in NA, uh, but I never pursued them uh, too much. I, di- I didn't actually want them because start- once I started to talk to teams like FPX, and there was like I saw a lot of opportunities in EU. I, I didn't even want to try NA too much uh, because like it, being in NA for two years, it uh, it hurts your your, your health, you know, uh, uh, mentally wise, uh, uh, everything. Uh, it's also damaging your schedule. Uh, you're less productive and uh, less social. I mean, it's not like we are social in the past year because of the COVID, but it it's limits you and it makes the situation even harder. And it's something that you need to learn as well like with the players when you're working, uh, that, that working from EU and NA, you need to consider like this, it's a big burden on your on your mental and um, so I didn't I, did, I wanted I told myself if if I start working a bit, bit big org I want it to be like a daily job so I can wake up properly and do my job and then go back to do other stuff and not just uh, doing this um, because you know like we're not kids anymore and so I, I saw enough opportunities in EU so I didn't want even to try an A. Uh, I know I know the price I, it takes, so I didn't to, to do it again. Uh, maybe in the future, who knows? You know, after the COVID and not canceling this option. Uh, yeah, but being in NA was uh, anyway was important for me because like I'm uh, I have this philosophy. Uh, I got inspired by uh, Pep Guardiola, um, but he before he became a coach, he did this. He traveled the world. And he met uh, all kind of uh, uh, cultures, uh, good in uh, good in football, not good in football. And he wanted to work with the right people that he he wanted to learn from, because he knew that he didn't want to be the best coach back then. Like he wanted to be a uh, coach, like in six years. He told myself, uh, five six years it will take me learn, and then I will start uh, improving as a coach. But until then, I want to just learn just absorb. I don't care about success. I don't care about achievements. I want to absorb. So for me, I learned a lot from my from my experience. So I analyze everything, every detail I do, every um, event that happens to me, I analyze it to the like a mental level and like normal uh, stuff as well and try to improve from that. So for me, it's really important to go to NA and, and, and know the the different culture of people and how they react to stuff because it, it kind of give me a perspective on people how they react to stuff and um, how I how I as a coach to adapt to different people and being flexible uh, with myself so I can adapt to people in any scenario it doesn't matter if it's like NA French or Korean people um, and the more to more experience and people I being exposed like the more scenarios I uh, face the smarter I become. So um, even if it was hard experience, uh, I don't regret it. Uh, so now it's time to go go to EU and now and grind my uh, EU knowledge, you know. Um, yeah, it's like in NA, you're in the hyperbolic time chamber, you know, you're just like, <laughs> it was like you're putting extra pressure on yourself just to kind of become better in a faster time. I mean, that's kind of what I was getting at. I was, I was curious, like, transitioning from NA to EU, like, you know, if there were any positive takeaways. So it's good to hear that there were, you know, and that you do see it not as a waste of time, but more so as just a challenge that you overcame and that you learned from. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious now, man, we talked about this a little bit, but, um, you know, you're still at home now. I'm sure this year, uh, well, like, frankly, this year traveling for everybody has been tough, but I'm curious, you know, <laughs> do you have plans to ultimately go to, uh, Vitality's headquarters. I'm assuming they're in France. Um, you know, I don't know exactly where they're located. I mean, do you have plans to go there soon? I know that working online is not optimal. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, so actually the team were in a bootcamp uh, two weeks ago in our first uh, challenges week. Uh, they flew there like a couple of days before the tournament. Um, and like we, we don't have uh, like a team house, you know, this is, these things are not existing anymore. Like um, everyone uh, playing from home and once in a while we like uh, flying to Paris uh, for uh, for a bootcamp. Uh, I still can't travel. I have this problem uh, because uh, France is not accepting uh, foreign uh, citizens that are outside of you. Uh, it's a big problem right now in the EU overall uh, because there's there's countries in the EU that they are outside the EU, so it's kind of weird. Yeah. So it's uh, hard for teams to to make uh, any boot camps right now. Uh, and Paris, like it's also like like very restrictive on this, you know. Um, so obviously, once everything will be relieved, uh, also. In two weeks, I'm doing my second uh, COVID uh, dose, uh, the vaccine dose, you know. Okay. So maybe it will uh, make the traveling easier. Uh, like, we already starting to see the results of it in Israel. Uh, about like 60% of the population is uh, vaccine. So we already see the, the decline in the, in the sum of the numbers, which is like so positive. And people here like already like kind of feeling the end. So hopefully it will get to the rest of the world very soon. So I think more and more countries will understand it. And people that got uh, vaccinated, um, they will be able to do travel. Uh, we, will ha we have this like green uh, passport that uh, for six months that we can travel anywhere like uh, freely without any COVID test, without anything. Uh, so I think many countries will join that uh, very soon. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna join the headquarters this this the first second I can, you know. Uh, as soon as you can, yeah. yeah like uh, they're the place. I don't know if you see if you saw the the clips in YouTube, but it's like the place is amazing, and I'm dying to be there already. Yeah, it's like it looks like a dream office to be honest. That's so why I was curious, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, travel is impossible for anyone. I mean, I've been working from home all, all year as well. Like, it's it's tough for for everyone in every country. Mm -hmm. uh, so hopefully, you know, hopefully it clears up sooner rather than later. I, I suppose really for you guys, it just depends on your own competitive schedule. Um, so I want to touch on this a little bit to kind of talk more, you know, less broad and more granular and just talk about like specifically uh, Valorant challengers. You know, I'd like to get your sort of take and your outlook for challengers. Um, you know, we're now going in on the th well this show comes in uh this show is going to go live on tuesday i think we're pulling up on the third um challengers qualifier or the fourth yeah it's going to move to the second uh, because second one yeah right. oh. oh wait no the third challenger but it's going to be on the second of march it's on the second of march for the third challenger yeah. Yeah. yeah so i'm curious you know this last week you guys played a qualifier uh and you have another one this week you were saying so um, with the recent changes, um, you know, how do you feel about the the sort of professional format for Valorant so far, and what's your outlook on it? Uh, it's uh, quite uh, a hard question for uh, someone from EU. Uh, we're struggling with the formats uh, for quite long already. Uh, I actually don't know why it's so hard to make a good format. Like, uh, it's funny, you know, like. Uh, in Overwatch, we had a great game, and but the formats and the tournaments and everything was uh, garbage. And here, like the game is like really good. The there's a viewership. There's a lot of fans in you, and you feel like a lot of love and for this game. And uh, and the devs are doing an amazing job of addressing problems. But then we're stuck in in the fucking uh, formats, you know, like the most easy thing like to to do, and we don't have a single best of three double elimination uh, in EU for past, I don't know, like six months with on, on top level, which is like, um, like it's a big struggle for us as orgs as well, because it's hard to know who's actually the better. You don't know actual ranking. Right. Uh, like you can't even rank who's, the, yeah, maybe you can rank the who's the first one, but there's also others, maybe they got the easier bracket. Maybe they got like maybe they got like one good game and then that's it. You know, like we, we don't know because we don't even have double elimination. But the recent changes we had the previous week, I think it's really good first step to to build a good healthy EU scene. 
Uh, now we had like uh, more seeding in the tournaments, and we also have like, best of threes in the in the qualifiers. So it's a good first step. I think there still need to be more changes to be done uh, to make it even more competitive and make more streams and also uh, make double elimination. And since like right now it's also still based of luck in some way because it depends on what bracket you fall in qualifiers. It it's decides like what team you're gonna play against um, to qualify to masters. Like in NA, it's all it's all um, best of three uh, double elimination, and you there's like absolute answer of who is the better because you need if, even if you had luck one game, you need to beat a good team at least twice to to prove that you're at that level. Right, and we don't have it right now, you know, and it's wow. uh, quite a bit disappointing. Yeah, why are the rules different in NA versus EU? Like, um, is it just the tournament operators uh, or organizers, or is it Riot? Like, why 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 is it best of threes in NA and not EU? Uh, from my understanding, idea? there's it's a uh, different departments uh, like NA Riot and EU Riot, and they have their own competitive uh, um, crew or people that they're doing this job. Uh, so the decision making is different. Uh, and also later, these uh, these departments they're delegating these tournaments to other uh, like tournament or organizers. So um, don't know exactly where it's falling, but uh, I think it's on both sides. Um, on so, but it seems like we've been heard in you. The first steps been done with that, and I think um, more to follow. Maybe not these qualifiers, but I think. Um, uh, you feel like Riot is listening, and the implements are um, they are fast. So it's not like we need to wait uh, for entire Overwatch League season to to change uh, like a big problem that uh, hurts everyone, or, or you need to throw like four or five months into trashing contenders because there is like a, uh, you need to send an email to some admin that needs to send an email to the other admin that needs to send email to other admin that has no nothing to say, and then mm -hmm. they just like a big chain of emails and no decisions, and and you sit there and playing uh, shit uh, formats and throw months into into garbage. Yeah, I, it, I will say so far it does seem like Riot is definitely on top of it. I mean, you know, it doesn't mean they're always going to be. Uh, perfect with with all their formats and i also agree with you i don't understand what's so tough about formats especially if when you have different formats in different regions it's just never made sense to me in any game yeah. but um unless there's like a drastic difference in player base which i don't think between na and eu there is so i don't know but it is it is good to remember um whenever i whenever i get upset about you know csgo or cod or valorant something that happened like that the developer did with the path to pro or something. I always look back at overwatch and I just smile and realize I don't have it as bad as I used to. <laughs> yeah. We are guys from Overwatch. We can appreciate the uh, things because we, we didn't have anything. So, we've so any change. All. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen in the, everything, the, the shittiest side. So for us, and uh, any small change, it's like, it's only refreshing, you know, <laughs> can roll with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I'm curious, like, how, how how long have you guys been playing together? Like, it's been like a month or two, almost two, maybe, since you at least, at the very least, since you started building. Yeah, so we started building at the start of uh, December. Uh, two but, months. Uh, yeah, but the roster it took time. Like, we trialed out of people. Uh, as I like I like scouting, so I wanted even even some of the players. Maybe I didn't uh, want for the team right now, but I wanted to. Uh, get a closer look for these players uh, to keep them, you know, like in my uh, back pocket uh, list. Uh, so it was quite extensive. So a lot of people got trialed, and um, that time I don't I don't consider that that time as like uh, team time because it was uh, scouting and right. um, and was focused. But officially, we started working on uh, after the January break. Uh, so it's a month and I mean like five six weeks or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah the reason I ask is because you know you guys are probably just now getting to the phase where you're starting to feel comfortable as a team and starting to really understand uh, each other. And so um, because you guys kind of got into the challengers, um, how do I say this? Like circuit a little bit late uh, compared to some of the other bigger organizations. 
you know, what's your guys' path to masters and, and like, what are you kind of looking at now as like the, the must wins and like, uh, how are you feeling about that look for your team right now? I mean, just realistically. Um, first of all, it's a, it's, there's like a big difference in Valorant and uh, Overwatch um, in that regard, because like in Overwatch League, Every year, everything is like kind of resets, you know, and everyone's starting from almost same point, kind of. Uh, so, and also like everyone in off season, so everyone like have their, like there's the transfers. So, or most of the teams they are like new or uh, did some moves, so they need to time to to build up and and catch up. In Valorant right now, it's like and uh, the new orgs and the new teams they need to they are in catch up phase and. Like I never experienced this in in an Overwatch during the too much, but uh, these these teams they have like six eight months uh, over you with, like with uh, playtime, and it has a big impact on on the game like from strategy and what you what you prioritize for a tournament. Uh, you can't focus everything and you need to like see what is the most important thing for you now for the for the upcoming tournament and. Then try to on fly, try to adapt uh, on some things and uh, add uh, here and there stuff. But it's uh, obviously it's not easy. Um, like the time is a big constraint. Like it's a big issue for us and uh, for the, all the new teams. So um, that's what we need for now. Like just just time. Yeah. No, I know. I mean, that's kind of what I'm alluding to. You know, it's like obviously putting together a team in the last month. You do have a disadvantage. Uh, just naturally to teams that have been together since the game came out. Um, and this obviously will not be a thing eventually, you know, five years down down the line, you'll be able to pick, you know, experienced players and put them together with, with relative ease. But definitely early in a game cycle, this is a big uh, disadvantage for you guys, I'm sure. So, you know, I'm curious, like, uh, and really it's just for myself, man, because I don't really know the qualifying schedule very well um, and the format very well. So I'm just, you know, what tournaments do you have coming up? You have a qualifier this weekend, you know, if, if um, or this week, sorry, if you qualify this weekend, you know, are you in, are you in the green or if you have to play another tournament? Like, um, you know, what's your guys' path to success right now that you're focusing on? Uh, yeah, so we, we're going to start the qualifiers uh, from the day, from day one and next uh, week. And we have to go for the through entire qualifiers. And we also, we will have to beat the top uh, four team right now. That uh, uh, after the current uh, qualifiers, like not sorry, the the bottom four of the top eight teams that didn't qualify to Masters, uh, we need, we will have to um, beat one of those teams to get into the Masters. And then if we qualify, uh, the Masters will be like uh, thing then the the following week after the qualifiers. Okay, good. Well, do you guys know the bracket yet? I mean, this comes out Tuesday. You might, you probably already know by Tuesday, but as of today, do you do you know like who you guys are facing this week? Uh, no, we, don't, we have no idea. Like you just know it a couple hours before. So yeah. it's pretty common in, in you. You don't know anything, you know, like you live in chaos. So you get used to chaos. <laughs> so it's, we, we are fine. We are, uh, we will know who we're playing against uh, one hour before. It's all good for us, so we got used to it, you know. Are you guys hoping for any rematches, like on teams that maybe you faced earlier on, that you think that you could, you know, have a better fairing against now? Um, I think we are too young for that. Uh, yeah. We have we have the hunger to beat everyone. I don't think uh, I would uh, exclude anything that I don't want to beat. Uh, we want to be eventually the best we can, and we want to beat any team in you. So, and I think we're still too young to to rivalries. So. Maybe someone, something with time will come up. Yeah, no, that's true. It's fair. That's fair. I like the democratic approach, man. You know, you, you, hands up. You don't want to talk any smack about anybody. I understand. I'm just curious. Um, speaking of uh, one, one thing that I wanted to know that I, this was kind of something I wasn't even going to put in the podcast, but I, I am curious, like, um, and I'm going to take it back a little bit. I apologize. On your team, where do where do all of your players come from, like uh, game wise? You know, are they all was there core of them together in another game prior, or were they all just kind of picked um, one by one from different worlds? I mean, where, where, what is the the spread of team experience? And like their previous games, you mean? Yeah, like CS, like Fortnite, maybe like you know where they all come from. Yeah, um, 
they all, all of them played Counter Strike. I don't think okay. there is any FPS player in the world that never touched Counter Strike. I don't yeah. think that exists because there was like uh, almost ten years ago there was like big void in FPS games. You basically had the Counter Strike, Call of Duty, and uh, Battlefield. That's what you had for FPS games. So if you don't play any of those, you pro like you go to Counter Strike because it's like the most known and. You you just want to to shoot, you know. Uh, you want to play FPS game, so everyone have some Counter Strike um, experience on some extent. And uh, most of the players came from uh, Counter Strike, and one guy came uh, played the uh, PUBG. Uh, PUBG, interesting. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I actually didn't follow the the NA scene lately, but I don't know what is your uh, status with uh, Fortnite players because we have a lot of uh, Fortnite players here in. Uh, in the EU, and they're doing really good in this game. We actually had some, I think we have some Fortnite players that have been very successful in Valorant. Um, most of our players, of course, come from Counter-Strike. I think the majority of NA Counter-Strike, or uh, the majority of NA Valorant, probably 60% of players come from, uh, you know, Tier 2 CS, like legit, like top CS teams in NA. Um, of course, you know that, like, in, in Counter-Strike, EU is by far the dominant region. Um and so yeah, NA, Valorant, NA teams, uh, also, in Valorant is also going to be uh, like this. <laughs> maybe not, maybe not by far. Okay. But yeah, I'm, that is another topic too, is I'm curious how EU versus NA is going to fare in Valorant. But um, what I was going to say is the majority of players in NA and Valorant seem to come from tier two CS like teams that obviously are never going to make it to tier one because we are sort of in like, you know, uh, the inferior region or the second region. Right. So um pretty much every team you can just rattle off like three three or four players on every top team in na is pretty much just xcs players um but there's a couple of Fortnite players surprisingly and uh phase has a lot of overwatch players there have been a few overwatch players that have made really good transitions um early on a lot of the players you would expect you know widow players tracer players you know uh, not a lot of tank players you know what i mean um and that's but that's about it i mean I think you have like some Rainbow Six Siege players. Um, that's really about it. Uh, so. I, I was surprised by how how good Fortnite players are doing in this game, uh, at least in the yeah. U. Um, they're they're individually uh, they are they are monsters. Uh, their mechanical skill is so high, and this will be. I'm telling you, it's, it's the the biggest threat for Valorant players. It's not the uh, people transitioning from Counter Strike. It's Kids transitioning from Fortnite. Uh, these kids are skilled as fuck, man. And yeah. um, I mean, they may be lacking some uh, like uh, team fundamentals and how to play within the team environment. Uh, that's something they're lacking. But um, I think they have because of they they have this like really high skill individual individual skill. They have time to catch up with the team and team stuff. Right. It will be interesting to see, like in two years down, like what if they actually could catch up or not. Uh, but I believe in those players. You know, like we have players like uh, uh, Zipa and and, uh, and Doma. They're doing like really well in the, in the game, and uh, also on team level, they're doing a really really good job. And I think uh, more kids will follow, and they will. Dom I think they will dominate the Valorant later. Uh, yeah, but uh, you know many Counter Strike players in you like they try to transition. By the way, like there's a lot of uh, um, underground movement that people trying to transition, but uh, not everyone can transition now. It's it's not that as as easy it was like six months ago or right. eight months ago. Um, the game has progressed. Like the what is uh, what is needed from you now in the game and what you need to understand right now. It's uh, it's bigger than what was like, six months ago. And just your individual skill uh, from Counter Strike is not enough right now. Uh, whoever wants to transition from Counter Strike, uh, he needs some time in the game uh, to actually be able to compete with the the less experienced guys that are playing grinding this game from day one. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, and you know, like in EU, the difference between EU and NA is like in NA. Sorry, in EU. Um, there's always uh, like orgs leading to new talent more than like NA, which people play, try try rosters, but they like more established players and known players. So 
and that's why I think uh, this talent from EU eventually will rise and um, it doesn't matter what uh, what the region is better right now I think but uh, EU is like I think at least what I see from so far is that it has like maybe higher potential and maybe less experience for now but uh, higher potential and maybe for the long term yeah well definitely I mean I think uh, tactical shooters in the EU it's it's a much bigger genre and more popular genre anyway so mm-hmm. I mean yeah like I think to your point that you made earlier as well like at when the game first comes out when any AAA title comes out you always see like the the player base has to come from somewhere so 99% of the time it's like the players are just coming from another game that they played professionally to be you know pro in the new game from day one but eventually at some point there becomes this tipping point really um, where it's no longer people transitioning from Counter-Strike or transitioning from Overwatch or any game. It's it's the people that played Valorant from day one. And so that's the that's the talent now that's going to be coming up. That's the new talent. The people that this is their first game actually competing in, you know. Uh, and I think we are getting to that point now where it's it's going to be really difficult because the game's been out long enough. Everyone understands the game, has been playing it for so long that you can't just jump from another game anymore. Um because you need that wealth of Valorant knowledge that only people that have been playing it every day this year have. What's interesting, actually, it shouldn't be surprising that Fortnite players are so talented. Like, I know Fortnite's like a bit of a meme. I don't know. You and I are both a little bit older. I mean, you're older than me. Like, you're way older than me. But um, I never really played Fortnite. But when I watch Fortnite, like, their APM, like, uh, is so high. Like, their actions per minute, their, like, mechanical skill has to be so high. and a lot of kids played Fortnite from like 12 years old, you know, and th- like they had to play this really fast paced game, making a lot of very quick decisions. So it shouldn't be surprising that there's a lot of players coming from that game as maybe their first game where they learned how to be mechanically gifted or like, you know, hone their mechanics. You know, now wanting to get into a team game, I suppose a new game like Valorant is a really good opportunity for them to do so. So maybe it's not as much of a meme as it seems. I think you might be right, you know. Like, I was, memeing, uh, I was uh, memeing Fortnite as well because uh, for me it was, uh, I didn't, I never uh, liked this game at all. Uh, it's not because I'm shit in this, it's because I'm, before even I tried it, it's, it, does, it doesn't seem like something I like to uh, to play in, in my, like, my play style of game or what I like in my games. But um, uh, the thing is, uh, what is underrated is the, the mechanics of, of, uh, of building. And editing, it's this mechanic is um, by far hardest uh, mechanics right now in in the, any esports. And there's this game div- like evolves every single month, and people coming up with new stuff. And if you played Fortnite like six months ago, you're gonna try to play right now. You're gonna get outplayed so easy, and you are behind. And I'm not sure if you if you even be able to catch up. Because if things are moving so fast and kids are improving so fast and the mechanics is uh, super hard and also your your aim is like very uh, like the things you're practicing in game it's very you can adapt it, this to any game because you need to aim like 360 uh, many weapons uh, many techniques you need to use to to aim uh, you know some Counter Strike players they struggling uh, to aim to uh, air targets you know the strays double satchels on site. It's not uh, that easy for players, for Counter-Strike players to, to react to this thing, kind of flying things, you know? I mean, we come yeah. from Overwatch, like flying monkeys, it's our daily <laughs> thing. But uh, for these uh, people, that they, they just uh, see the people coming only for uh, like uh, for their um, cross-replacement, you know? They never like react to skies. So, yeah. and for this, for Fortnite players, this is something, this is their strength, you know? They control their, uh, their AM360, uh, any technique and they're also i think it's just my theory thanks to this uh, uh, editing and building skills like they're really good into understanding abilities as well uh, like how how to uh, utilize your abilities to to the higher level like they understand it on very high level compared to counter-strike players obviously these things they will be evened out eventually but right yeah. now they have the edge and, and something as, as an Overwatch coach or player, you, you can see it. Like you can see who has better understanding in abilities, who, who can use these abilities in, um, to their potential uh, pretty fast. So yeah, this Fortnite guy is uh, definitely has 
players you need to look at uh, for in near future. Yeah, no, that's actually I never thought about that, but I think you're spot on. It'd be interesting mm -hmm. to see as like all the Fortnite players, you know, grow up, you know, ten years from now, because they're all still twelve. So maybe once you know, maybe once Valorant two comes out, it'll be just run by old Fortnite players. <laughs> um, well, listen, man, we we covered a lot, and uh, time kind of flies, man. I think uh, I think we hit our mark today, so. I appreciate the updates, man. It's so nice to talk to you. I really did enjoy the conversation. It's it's good to see your face. Uh, <laughs> it's been a long time. Um, one last thing I just want to say is congratulations, and I am very happy for you. I, I mean that when I say it. And uh, I'm going to be following your journey, so you better not fail. <laughs> no pressure. Uh, and I mean, you you always have to perform. There, the pressure is always there. So you just uh, need to learn to live with that. So it's it's nothing new. Uh, but uh, thank you for having me. Uh, it was really nice uh, coming back home, you know, uh, to a place that uh, helped me to grow as well and sharing some of the experience. Uh, maybe we'll meet uh, more in the future, catch up again. Uh, my journey just started, so uh, maybe it's not like I'm at the end or something. And right. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of my journey, so it will be see, interesting to see where it goes.